Hello, welcome to Injury Prevention Podcasts. My name is Rod McClure. I'm editor of the BMJ journal Injury Prevention, and each month I chat with a distinguished injury prevention researcher or practitioner about topics of their interest. Today our conversation is with Dr. Amy Peden from the School of Population Health, University of New South Wales. Amy is an injury prevention researcher and advocate who specialises in adolescent injury and specifically drowning prevention. Her work covers the epidemiology, risk factor identification and evaluation of drowning prevention interventions. Amy is an NHMRC Emerging Leadership Research Fellow within the school and teaches the course Injury Epidemiology Prevention and Control. This conversation was conducted on-site at Safety 2022, as you'll be able to tell at some parts from the background hum. Dr. Peden, how are you today? I'm really well, thank you. I'm so excited to be here at the conference. Yes, here we are live at Safety 2022. How long have you been planning this? Yeah, I mean, it's been a, a long road to get here. Uh, I should say under the uh, guidance of uh, Professor Richard Franklin, we have been preparing for an event that was initially going to be held in 2020. And then of course the pandemic got in the way. So we held a, a virtual event in 21 and now we're here face to face in 2022 in Adelaide. Uh, we've got over 750 people here, 600 here in person and 150 online. And the, uh, the atmosphere is really great. So Amy, we've glibly just let Safety 2022 roll off our tongue, but could you give me a little bit of a history of what that is? Absolutely. So it's the World Injury Prevention and Safety Promotion Conference. I am somewhat new to the space, so I think the first time that I went to the conference was in 2012 in Wellington, New Zealand, but it has been going for a number of years prior to that. I think this is the first time in quite a while it's been to Australia, which is really exciting. And we've got a range of different topics covered from the unintentional injury space, so drowning and falls, to violence against women and intentional injury, uh, and kind of everything in between, looking at global agendas, disaster, sustainable development goals. There's a really broad program and it's uh, really great to have everyone here to contribute. So you're saying we and uh, clearly there are a lot of others who are working with you but what's your particular role in the organisation of this? Yes, so I have been a long-time collaborator with Professor Richard Franklin, predominantly in the drowning space, and he's been a really great mentor to me and, and offering opportunities to me. So uh, when he was successful with the bid, he invited me to be part of the National Organising Committee, and there's an international organising committee that sits above that with delegates from WHO and other international organisations. But from a national organising perspective, we were really in charge of, I guess, coming up with the conference theme and the streams and the uh, scientific programme reviewing abstracts, uh, reviewing scholarships, which we can talk about a little bit later. And in particular, I took a particular focus on a student and early career researcher program as well. You said you've started probably back in the Wellington conference, which from memory was about 2.12, is that right? Mm. Have conferences changed since then, do you think? What was in your mind when you said, I want to create this? Because it is a creative exercise, isn't it? It is, yes. So we were definitely uh, following Richard's vision for this conference. But I think, you know, really in the, the post-pandemic world, conferences have changed quite a lot. Personally, I definitely feel more comfortable in the space now, having been around for a bit longer. 
you know, getting a doctorate helps. You kind of have that uh, imposter syndrome and you feel a little bit more of an expert once you've kind of got those letters in front of your name in such a, you know, very uh, amazing kind of audience and crowd here, very learned. But I think since the pandemic, we've really had to reconsider what a conference looks like. And that meant that we had to offer virtual and pre-recorded registrations for people that can't attend and be very mindful of our our COVID safety and our, um, you know, general safety precautions face to face. But it's more complicated from an organisational point of view, organising the conference, but it actually can reduce some of those access issues. So it's much cheaper to do a virtual registration. You don't need the travel, less impact on the planet to fly around the world. There are some benefits as well, I guess, to being able to view these presentations online rather than having to be in person and contribute online rather than having to be in person as well. And you talked about a couple of things there that I think may distinguish the modern conference from the ones that we've been used to. You mentioned presentation and you also mentioned uh, workshops. So what's the balance in this conference between uh, presentations, formal presentations of ideas versus interaction between delegates around a learning process? Yeah, I think it's really important to offer both. And I guess from an early career researcher and student point of view, um, and even for some emerging researchers in the low and middle income countries, not just coming and hearing from others, but learning and doing is really important. So we have really tried to strike that balance. There's still a lot of um, concurrent sessions and a lot going on which is really great to have that online opportunity to catch up on things you missed. But we really have tried to offer workshops, pre-conference workshops, as well as workshops every day of the conference as well, business meetings during lunchtime. There's a lot going on where people can learn and contribute and discuss with each other, not just that kind of one-way presentation to the audience. When was it that you completed your PhD? So I uh, submitted and graduated at the end of 2019. So I'm also a, an early career researcher myself. That's why I'm quite passionate about opportunities for, for the young uh, group coming through, even though I'm not that young anymore. Can you remember your first uh, conference? Was it the Wellington one or was it one prior to that? Uh, I think I might have. I work in drowning prevention, so I think I might have gone to, uh, you know, an Australian water safety conference prior to 2012. I surely did. But I did. I remember I was a youth ambassador for development in Vietnam working on the survival swimming program. And so I did go as a very wide eyed new newbie to the conference when it was in Hanoi. That would have been 2008. And then my first presentation would have been in 2012 in Wellington. So what a thrill to be able to present internationally at an international conference. I'm a first generation uni student in my family, let alone PhD. And to think that you're considered one of the experts that can present to others is pretty amazing. Do you know the magic or or how we can keep that excitement rolling throughout our career? Because I'm just getting into think back to that very first time when your face came alive and your, your big broad grin. This is what we'd like conferences to be like for people who've been there for 20 years. What is it that you think that it would take to create that or keep that passion? Yeah, that's a really good question. I mean, hopefully we're all doing work we enjoy and are really passionate about. And I think actually the injury prevention field is a very small but passionate community that does a lot with not very much. So I do think there is that passion anyway. I think the COVID break from face-to-face meetings, you know, as much as I say there's virtual opportunities to to meet virtually and and that does remove some barriers, there is real enthusiasm at this conference to be meeting face-to-face again after a few years. And I think 
just having that fresh blood as well, you know, bringing new faces onto organising committees that might bring new ideas, extending the opportunity to speak to emerging and, and student researchers as well, just to get that new take, that new blood, the new energy in the room, I think is really important. And I mean, I always leave conferences very motivated, taking ideas from other spaces into the work I do. Uh, so even just that sharing of ideas is really important as well. It's the grand melange, isn't it? That blending of, of inputs from various sources and various senses to create that excitement. I noticed as I was walking into this room just then, I, half a dozen people in that small number that we passed that I've met at previous conferences. And so as well as the, the fresh ideas, you've also got many people who've actually coming back year in, year out to meet old friends. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's also the nice part of the injury prevention community is it is small, but Everybody is uh, very friendly uh, and it is as much the fresh blood and make, making new connections and new collaborations but catching up with friends as well and I think that is also why a lot of us stay in this space. It's a very supportive, a very small but I guess cohesive community. We all do get along quite well. It's naturally there is competition but yeah, as you say, it's a great opportunity just to catch up with people that we haven't seen for a while or or people that we, you know, met online and can now meet in person and yeah, it is a really, really nice community to be a part of. Now you mentioned a few things there, the early career exercise and the, uh, the, the media advances that you've introduced at this conference. Can you explain those to me? Yeah, so I guess, you know, we talked about how I finished my PhD in 2019 and I've had a couple of kids, career disruptions, I think we call them in the business. So I'm actually probably only a year a year and a bit out of PhD world relative to opportunity. So very much an early career researcher, uh, very passionate about, I guess, that new blood and extending those opportunities to to students and early career researchers and, and actually really born out of the discomfort or the feeling uh, insecure and, and not knowing anybody at a conference. So we, we kicked off uh, the day before the conference started with an early career uh, networking session. So for students and ECRs particularly, just to come and sit and meet each other, talk about the work, the challenges we face, the kind of struggles we all share, because there is some sense of uh, comfort in that community and that, you know, the issues you face are not your own. A lot of other people face them. But then we knew friendly faces. We knew each other before the event had even started, which was really good. Um, and that naturally flowed into an early career uh, mental health workshop. We had some ThinkWell, which actually brought up a lot of the issues our group had already discussed. So this imposter syndrome, you know, feeling like a fraud, uh, time management, managing expectations of supervisors. So there were some really practical tools in that session of how to deal with that. And that was, we had really great responses from that as well. Uh, so that was really all before the conference started proper so we already know each other already feeling a bit more comfortable and one of the other key things we have tried to pair established people in the field with younger researchers to co-chair sessions we've really tried to do that as well and put people forward for those kind of opportunities and the final thing we've tried to do from an ECR perspective is a meet the editor session so really trying to I guess take some of the mystery away from submitting to journals you know what are editors looking for how do we make sure we're in scope for a journal? How do we pass that first hurdle of a desk rejection and get out for review? Things that I know I struggled with and am starting to understand, but to really hear firsthand from editors what they're looking for and, and how we can uh, progress past those, I guess, steps to publication is going to be really great. And so that's coming up tomorrow. Fantastic. 
And how do people outside the conference hear about the conference? And what happens if we've missed the conference? Yes, so I think that is the, the upside of a post-pandemic world is that we have had uh, virtual attendees uh, watching along online and a lot of presenters put their presentations up beforehand with a pre-record. So those who are attending virtually can see a lot of the plenary sessions and watch the pre-recorded presentations. That's great for you know a conference with multiple streams and you can't be everywhere at once, so even face-to-face delegates can go back and watch but the conference organizers so the safety 2022 website will be accepting uh, registrations for a virtual registration uh, even after the event and people can catch up on the presentations and the plenaries up to three months after the event so if anybody's listening to this and having a bit of FOMO and wishing they were here then they can still take up a virtual registration and and watch all the pre-recorded sessions online and what about the um, more instant social media Yes. What are you doing in that space? Yes. So a bit of a Twitter junkie myself. Thankfully, it it is surviving under its new leadership. But one of the things we were quite mindful of and uh, really wanted to create as a legacy for this conference was uh, a unique Twitter handle that the conference could pass on from conference to conference. So um, in the past, each conference had sort of had its own presence. So you'd have a 2018 conference, a 2012 conference, and it would kind of be dormant after the event and you'd, you'd lose that following and that traction. So we really decided to make a generic it's at conf underscore safety, Twitter handle that we could pass on from organiser to organiser and really start to build that following and have a have one dedicated place on social media where people could see updates. So we're all frantically live tweeting and posting about the conference at the moment, but we're really keen that that audience that we're building now for the first time will be passed on to the next conference in 2024. And we're really proud of those kind of legacies that we are creating, I think the other thing that we're really proud of is the scholarship program. The scholarship program and the ECR commitment we really hope flows through to the future conferences as well. Well, the audience I'm sure can hear the background noise of us conversing live here. Clearly you're excited about the whole thing and uh, looking forward to the next couple of days as I certainly am. Absolutely. Thank you very much for your time today and sharing your excitement with everybody. Thank you so much. Our conversation today has been with Dr. Amy Peden from the School of Population Health, University of New South Wales. For those of you wishing to learn more about some of the ideas that we've covered in today's conversation, I invite you to visit the journal's website at injuryprevention.bmj.com. Remember, you can download injury prevention podcasts on the first Thursday of each month from your favourite platform or app.